Hello everybody and welcome to episode 34 of the Classic Rock Podcast. For those about to pod, we salute you. On this episode, Matt and I discuss our favourite rock autobiographies and biographies. My year in rock, this episode for Matt is 2016. Good luck with that. And mm. we have, <laughs> we have, allegedly, the best part of the show, as always, Hidden Gem Time. Mm. But, as always, we like to kick off the show with latest news and features with Mr. Podcaster in the South, Mr. Matt Rogers. Hey, Matt. Hello, Brian. There's no allegedly about it. No, 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 no. Um, Where's the yeah, science? Right. Where's the science-based proof? Yeah. Uh, no, it's all anecdotal. <laughs> it's all made up, of course. Um, how are you? You doing all right? I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. I'm enjoying mm. the... I'm enjoying the great weather that we're having and keeping Indeed. safe, not drinking too much and not getting sunstroke. Very good. Mm. Yes, pleased to hear it. Absolutely. Pleased to hear it. Well, we're getting together this weekend, aren't we? This coming weekend. Looking forward to that. Steel House Festival down in Wales. Absolutely. A little skipping a jaunt from Scotland all the way down to Ebbervale. A mere nine hours. Nine hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, it's, I mean, it is all downhill on the way down, isn't it? Of course, you look at the map. Obviously, Scotland's you know and all that. So, but going back, obviously, it's going to be all uphill. It might take you a bit longer. Yeah. Um, I've booked a whole day. I've got a whole day yeah. to travel all the way back home. Yeah. Well, it'll be good to see you. Yeah, we're looking forward to Steelhouse. Um, full review in the next episode. Exactly. Um, of the likes of uh, uh, well, Diamond Head are there. They are. Um, Europe are there. Europe, Saxon, Inglorious, Grand Bonnet, Michael Schenker. Oh dear, it's amazing. Exactly. Really looking forward to it. It'd be fabulous. From top to bottom, it'll be a great festival. Um, so, what has caught your eye, Brian? Um, yeah, so, Matt, it's, there's a lot of stuff going on in the news at the moment, but one of the things that caught my eye, Brian, mm. uh, was the uh, reunion of Pantera. So the two remaining uh, members, Rex Brown, Phil Alselmo, mm. um, are getting back together and they have recruited Zach Wilde on lead guitar and uh, Charlie Bennett from Anthrax. So that'll be good. I have to say I'm liking the way in which Zach Wilde is talking about the tour being a celebration of Pantera, um, yes. which, which is nice because I think... It's quite difficult to, to have a full reunion of Pantera without without Dimebag and Vinny. Um, yeah, so that's going to be interesting. I'll be going to that. If, if they come to the UK, oh, I'll look forward to that. Will you? You're yeah. a bit of a closet Pantera fan, are you? I think Dimebag is probably one of the uh, most interesting, influential guitarists of his generation. Um, the fact that Eddie Van Halen... Uh, uh, buried one of his original Frankenstein Stratocasters is actually buried with Vin uh, with Dimebag. Uh, yeah. he, uh, he was revered as a guitar player. Such a nice guy as well too. So a lot of people can you know when we've talked about we've talked about Eddie on the show quite a lot, and, and a lot of people just see Dimebag as that next innovative guitar who just you know what he was doing with Pantera. Um, was quite groundbreaking in the mm. uh, in the early nineties. From where they started as a glam metal band. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, we're going to have to put some. Uh, of course, it's a good excuse to put some Pantera 
on the old uh, playlist. Can I suggest a couple of things? You certainly can. My favourite Pantera song is a song called Mouth for War. Right. Which is an absolute killer song. Uh, of course, Cowboys from Hell. Yeah. And Cemetery Gates. Um, yeah, enjoy. I will yeah, do. for those who don't know much about Pantera, have a listen, because they are... They're sometimes overlooked in the pantheon of the big four. Yeah. Uh, um, those sort of thrash metal uh, bands, but certainly, um, certainly well worth checking out. And um, yeah, as you say, it'd be a, a nice tribute. Uh, as you say, I think, I think um, Zach Wells positioned it very nicely as a, as a tribute to the, 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 the name of Pantera or the Pantera music, which is nice. Yeah. There's no kind of trying to kind of hijack the name and dine out on it. Cause Zach and uh, Charlie Bonanti don't need to. So, that's no. no, good. I'm, re- I'm looking forward to it as well. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've got a nasty feeling they might just do one day in the UK, of course, which would be fine by me. <laughs> it will um, be in London. Or they may do, they might do the festival trails, so you might find them on, maybe maybe they'll do download. Well, that's right. That's been, uh, been mentioned, isn't it? That they may well be on the uh, 20th anniversary of download. And talking of gigs, and talking of gigs being more than just London, uh, the boss, oh. as in, as in, did you must you wrote to him and said, "Dear the boss, could you please on your next British tour play in Edinburgh?" And you got your wish. I it's did. Like you could walk. You could walk to the venue. Yeah, but instead you're coming to London, uh, which which is interesting. I'm doing neither, Matthew. Didn't get. Do not. Didn't get tickets for any of them. You can't. You can't get a ticket for Bruce Springsteen at, went at uh, Hyde Park. Oh, no. my goodness. Both yeah. the Thursday and the Saturday sold out so quickly, and Edinburgh as well, too. Uh, oh, there, no. there's, been, there's been an outcry on social media. The You know, the usual, I was queuing on, you know, various um, ticket outlets trying to get tickets, and they sold very, very quickly. And... Oh. Um, one of the one of the most renowned ticket sellers is using a process now, or a that they're calling dynamic pricing. Oh, so no. people are able to, you know, I'm not really quite sure how it works, but I think if you, I'd really like tickets, and I'm willing to pay X. Um, so dynamic pricing's coming mm. in, and it and it just sounds a million miles away from. Quite honestly, Matt, Bruce Springsteen's the working class hero, et cetera. Mm. And people are working class. People are now being priced out of going to see Bruce. So uh, do you know what? He may do more shows. It's interesting that he's, he's playing London on the Thursday and he's mm. got London on the Saturday. So I wouldn't be surprised that he, he may, due to demand, he may do another couple of nights. Here's hoping. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Well, yeah, interesting actually, because we went to see Pearl Jam a couple of weeks ago, you and I, we and, did. uh, about 48,000 other people. Um, and that was the thing. It was the, the capacity at Hyde Park was, and probably is for Bruce Springsteen, uh, even though it's a humongous park, of course, it's limited to 50,000. Yeah. Um, so maybe the same thing's happening. But yeah, talk about the, and you talk, talk about dynamic pricing. I mean, the price of stuff within the arena, oh dear. I mean, there is, there is a point where that whole thing, um, starts to kind of wear thin, you know, seven pounds, seven pounds for a, for a beer, two pounds 50 for an ice cream and no, four pounds 50 for an ice cream. Sorry. Um, four, five pounds for an ice cream. I mean, you know, it's 
the world's gone a bit mad. And I think it's, it, as you say, you know, I'm not sure what control bands have over the pricing of those kind of peripheral things. Certainly their own merch, they would decide the pricing of, I imagine. Yeah. Um, or or the, maybe the promoters, I don't know, but certainly, the, you know, the beers and the food and the ice cream and God knows what. It's, it's, um, it's quite... Uh, it's quite, quite an eye-opener. Um, but anyway, so basically this is an appeal on behalf of Brian Maley to all our listeners. If anyone's got a spare ticket for Bruce Springsteen either in Edinburgh <laughs> or in London on any of those dates, if you, and he'll, he'll pay, you'll pay for it when you, of course. Of course. Um, face, face value. Um, but if anyone's got one, as a thank you, we shall give them a Stones About the Pub, we salute you mug. Well, me a little cup. I like the sound of that. You see, you know, everyone and everyone wins. You see, so please bear that in mind, folks. I know, I know, a couple of friends of mine who are going actually. So, um, fingers crossed that something comes up, and you, or as you say, does another day. Anyway, we're dwelling a bit on um, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, in other news, um, Steve Morse has uh, decided to leave. Decided to leave Deep Purple after twenty-eight years. Yeah, um, with the band, by far the longest-serving guitarist. Um, I'm sure a lot of people still refer to him as the new bloke. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's, 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 I mean, and it's quite, I mean, sad, sad, but also quite, um, refreshing that he's given up, um, playing with Deep Purple to look after his wife who's sadly battling cancer. Yeah. So, um, we clearly wish him and his wife certainly very well for the future. Um, did you think about auditioning, Bri? Cause you can play, you can play Smoke on the Water, can't you? Yes, just about. I mean. I, 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 do you know what? I'd much more. I'd much rather Matt um, play guitar in Deep Purple than sing in Deep Purple. The thought of singing "Child mm. in Time," "Highway Star," mm. "Speed King." Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. But if the set, Matt, if the set was two hours and twenty minutes of just playing "Smoke on the Water," be all right. Yeah, be all right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Be a bit boring for yeah. the crowd. Well, true. <laughs> Yeah, it would actually, but it's a good song, you know, all the same. Absolutely. Um, so just wrapped off a few for the old uh, list there, Deep Purple Classics. <laughs> um, to be fair, I'm not sure Ian Gillen really looks, relishes, or even does, Child in Time these days. Um, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. As you say, Simon, Simon McBride was drafted in uh, a couple of months ago and obviously will stay part of the band for the rest of this. What's it called? The Long Goodbye Tour? The Long Goodbye Tour. Mm. They're coming mm. to the UK. Uh, they're coming to the UK in the autumn, or for our American mm. listens, listeners, the fall. Yeah. See, uh, um, yeah. So they're they're multilingual. Multilingual. They mm. they'll be they'll be they'll be winging their way through through the UK, and uh, they're playing Scotland, which is great. But hey, um, yay! Uh, I think Blue Oyster Cult is supporting them as well too. But um, it'll yeah, as you say, Matt. Interesting if. What Purple decide to do after that because Steve Morse Steve Morse gave them a good mm. shot in the arm when he joined in '96, and uh, it's whether whether Purple decide after this cycle of touring that they were supposed to be writing um, a new album. That was that was there was a writing session whenever Steve Morse decided that he needed to step back from the band. So uh, if I were a betting man, I think this might be. This might be the this might be the end of purple for me, and a nice way to go out as a you know they're not a tribute act. They do new material. That last mm. couple of albums have been excellent, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. But 
Uh, Purple have a, I think they've done very, very well with all of the changes and just the heritage and the legacy of Purple. I think it's in a good place. And I would, for me personally, I think this might be the right time to buy out. You might be right. Yeah. You might be right. It's probably an omen, yeah. a sign. It's time to call it a day. We've had a very long and illustrious career, of course, um, over 50 years. So, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's a good time. Yeah. Talking of long and illustrious careers, see what I did there? Uh-huh. Um, Queen's Greatest Hits. Now, apparently, one in four households, probably in the world, but one in four, <laughs> four households in Britain, I've got a copy of um, Queen's Greatest Hits. So I did a quick uh, survey of, of the village that I live in, uh-huh. and it turns out that most people don't want to talk to me about the Queen, which is fair <laughs> enough, I suppose. <laughs> they wonder what I was talking about. Um, no, in all seriousness, they, they, so it was already the greatest selling album in the UK. Uh-huh. Um, so now it's just top 7 million copies of the one album just in the UK. Yeah. Um, which is quite phenomenal. And this, the actual greatest hits album has been streamed. Listen to this uh-huh. 1.26 billion times in the UK alone. I mean, that's just mind boggling numbers. Um, so, uh, yeah. I and mean, it just shows you that came out in 1981. I was so, going to say you know, it only covers career yeah, wise. About seven years of Queen. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. about seven years of Queen. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, good on them. Seven million of just one album. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And long may they continue Queen with uh, Adam Lambert, of course. Yeah. Still with Brian May and Roger Taylor in the band. Um, But yeah, good on them. It's just ludicrous numbers, isn't it? And then final one from me, which... uh, which I saw on social media during the week, which I'm very, very excited about, is John Waits um, of the the big 80s power ballad Missing You, but he was in a band in the 70s called The Babies. And mm-hmm. he also was in a fabulous band called Bad English with Neil Sean from Journey. Um, he is getting together with Neil Sean possibly in 2023, whether that will be bad English or it's just the fact that John and Neil are getting back together and that is just a wonderful combination guitar-wise and vocal-wise. So I'm very excited for 2023 and hopefully we'll see some new material from John Waits who uh, we haven't had much output from John in the last couple of years and certainly in the UK we haven't seen him play live and John Waits is he's up there for me as one of those mm. great AOR vocalists. Yeah, got a tremendous voice. Yeah, um, and that in that, I mean, although he's English, isn't he? I think John might. Um, Lancashire boy. Aye, uh, very much in the um, in that kind of vein of that sort of rich AOR voice, Ella Lou Graham and um, um, Steve Perry and yeah. Brad Delp and so on. So yeah, yeah, should be should be very interesting. Um, Anyway, got any more news, Brian? Oh, no. I've, got to, I've, got to ask you, I've got to ask you a question, actually. Okay. Um, so I went, uh, the other, a couple of weeks ago, I went to see uh, Dirty Honey oh. uh, and the Rival, Rival Sons, um, who were just tremendous. Dirty Honey, I think we mentioned them a couple of times, are just going to be huge. I mean, they, they are, they are, uh, they've got an album out, which has got some great songs on it. They've got an EP out, which has been out a few years. 
the album from last year, the self-titled debut album, um, is excellent. Check it out. Um, but also the Rival Sons were there and they were celebrating 10 years of their first album, uh, Pressure and Time. So they chose to play that album in its entirety. So they did two sets, basically. Uh, the entire Pressure and Time album and then a little break, yeah. five minutes. And, uh, and then they played uh, a kind of a mixed bag of greatest hits, which is good. Um, however, it was quite interesting. It was a very good gig. Don't get me wrong. It was very interesting, uh, a very, very enjoyable gig. Even though I got my ear protector stuck in my left ear in between bands. Oh, goodness. So, as we've often said, good idea to protect your ears, boys and girls, when you go to loud gigs or, you know, around loud things and so on. But, um, you know, I, mine, mine got stuck in my ear, which, of course, was a source of much hilarity to everyone I was with. And, but I managed to get it out on the way home. You'll be pleased to hear. Um, but anyway, that aside, um, J. Buchanan from The Rival Sons um, didn't speak to the audience until well into the second half. Now, as we've often said on the old podcast, we, we quite like a bit of chat and certainly a bit of kind of amusing chat yes. in between songs, whether it be Dave Grohl or Spike or Phil Mogg. I, well, that's, I like it. And, I, and, you know, I quite like bands who introduce their songs and maybe tell a bit of a story about them. There's nothing. And I found that a bit, bit disappointing. Uh, how do you, where do you, where do you stand on that, Brian? That kind of, well, firstly, playing an album in its, in its entirety is very brave. Um, I mean, you've got a very partisan audience, of course, so they're all yeah. going to probably know and have the album. Um, but they're not talking to the audience for, maybe I'm being kind of overly sensitive in my old age. What do you think about that? I want to see a band interacting with themselves on stage. I want to make, mm. I want them to be looking as if they're enjoying themselves because that, we feed off that. And I do think it is nice um, for a, for a band to interact with the audience. Uh, mm. Yeah. So where I, where I sit in that is I expect, I expect the front man to engage. You look at, you look at what Eddie Vedder did when we saw him at Hyde Park he, mm. you know, they, there was a tribute to, uh, you know, a, a Pearl Jam fan. There was people putting up cards saying, can you play this song? And the band would play, you know, fan favourites and songs they'd not played before. And to me, Eddie Vedder as a front man uh, is human and, and becomes likeable because he's connecting with his audience. If a mm. singer sings a song... As matter, matter how good he is, if he's not interacting with me or the audience, and he might be shy or he might just be in the moment and he might be just, I'm doing my job, but it, it might it might come off as a little bit aloof and standoffish mm. from your audience. And he mm. might not mean that, but I think you have to, you have, you have to work an audience, Matt. A singer has yeah. to work his audience. So that means a bit of chat. Like it's it com comes back to that classic case of, David Lee Roth versus Sammy Hagar. I love Sammy's vocal, but I love how David Lee Roth entertains a crowd. Mm. So mm. yeah, I yeah. would much prefer. And particularly, where did you see where, where did where did you see Rival Sons in Dirty Honey? In in London at the at the Forum, Kentish Town. Forum, nice mm. nice venue. 
every he can see all of the audience. It's it's a nice mm. venue. That to me, if you're playing clubs and small theatres, you have the opportunity to interact with the audience. So do it. Yeah. You can get away with it in your stadium because you can't see the audience. But I would expect in the in the likes of Kentish Town, you should be interacting with your audience and and kind of being there. So yeah, mm. that's where I am. Yeah, I'm interested to see if anyone else got any similar similar thoughts on that. Yeah. So um, that was the news, Brian. Was indeed. It was interesting. Always something interesting going on. Okay, so last time, young Brian, you set me the year 2016. Yes, what a fabby year. Hmm, a mere six years ago. was indeed. Or if you're listening in 14 years' time. <laughs> a mere... 20 years ago. How many episodes will he have done by then? <laughs> I have no idea. We'll, we'll see. Yes. We didn't think we'd do 34, did we? No. Blimey. No. Uh, and here we are. Episode 34. Uh, so 2016. Um, I thought it was a good year. I went to tons of gigs, oh, which I'll yeah. tell you about in a minute. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a brilliant year for, for gigs. Some interesting ones. Um, Albums-wise, some good albums. Um, I shall do a quick tour of the albums. Um, the Temperance Movement, uh, we've talked about a few times. Uh, 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 uh. Um, uh, my wife and I and a few friends of ours, we were religious Temperance Movements fans. And uh, we'd follow them around the country. We went to see them in France. Um, sadly, on a strange hiatus at the moment. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. But in 2016, they released White Bear, um, which is a good album. Um, good songs on it. Three Bullets, Get Yourself Free, Modern Massacre. Ola Rain's quite a poppy little song. Um, good album. You, you, of course, would have seen the Temperance Movement a few times at festivals. They seemed to pop up on every festival going, didn't they, once upon a time? It did. I liked I liked Certainly the... the- the the debut album that they put out I thought was fantastic and I got to see them in the uh, small v- venue called the Liquid Rooms in 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 Edinburgh on their first tour. Phil Campbell's mm. a phenomenal singer, absolutely mm. great great singer. Not to be confused, of course, with Phil Campbell from Motorhead. Not at all. Just in case anyone's wondering, different Phil, different Phil Campbell, all the same. Um, also that year. Um, Excellent Blackstone Cherry brought out their Kentucky album, which is good. Another band, my wife's a big fan of BSC, uh, like Blackstone Cherry, who are out again next year uh, touring this country with the Darkness. They are indeed. Looking forward yeah. to that. Yeah, Didn't yeah that. Um, and uh, let's say we went out to Kentucky. Some good songs on it. Um, an interesting cover of uh, War. Um, do you remember that song? War, what is it good for? Oh, it's Edwin Starr and Bruce Springsteen did it as well too. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Shaking My Cage is a good song, um, which gets regular airplay to this day. Um, you, you're, you're not a big fan of Blackstone Cherry, are you, Brian? Don't you? Uh, will, t- will we talk about Rambling Man? <laughs> we'll talk about Rambling Man later. Obviously, they, they headlined um, uh, Rambling Man that year uh, with Whitesnake. Mm. I actually really enjoyed them live. Um, there's enough Southern rock in my iPod shuffle 
And mm. yeah, I, I kind of know what I like from a Southern rock and maybe, maybe if one band falls out of it, um, you know, I, the things I like the more rootsier, you know, the black, blackberry smoke, mm. um, the more kind of Skinnerdy type sound. Whereas I, I think, I actually think Blackstone Cherry have a much more modern, they, they can be sound a little bit ultra bridgey in, in, in elements mm. with the production, etc. So th- yeah, th- th- they're good. But mm. just they, they just don't uh, they just don't float my boat. No, they don't shake your cage. They don't. Um, <laughs> and finally, uh, albums wise, Metallica brought out. So we talked about once or twice. Brought out the excellent Hardwired to Self Destruct, um, which is which is a real kind of return to form for them. At least I thought so. Um, songs like Moth into a Flame and uh, Atlas Rise. Uh, some great songs on that album. Very, very, very heavy. A real, as I say, return probably to their kind of early thrashy era. Um, so yeah, those are the albums. Well, any albums? That, did you buy any albums at here, Brian? I did indeed. Um, I have a few albums, um, and there's an album I, I'm going to pick you up on because there was now al- I wrote. Obviously, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the podcasting uh, audience, usually mm. whenever we do 2016 or or other years. Um, hmm. uh, I often try and second guess what Matt's going to choose for albums. <laughs> mm. So I knew Temperance Movement was going to be one of the ones because it's a fabulous. And there's an album which you've left off, which I, I if I had to bet my house on, on, on albums in 2016, you haven't mentioned it, but we'll come back to that at the end. Mm. So I, okay. I've, I've got a couple of albums which I'd just like to shout out. Um, uh, Merillion. Uh, released the back end of, of 2016. Probably one of their, uh, for anybody who's a long time Marillion fan, uh, the album's called Fear, F-E-A-R. I can't, oh, yeah. I can't yeah. on the podcast give you what that means. I'll let everybody look that up for themselves. But it was a return to form, quite a, a, a progressive concept album, which is fantastic. Um, but a, a couple of um, uh probably people that we, some people we haven't mentioned on the show is a a guitarist who played with, um, uh, played with Eric Clapton quite a lot. Doyle Bramall II. He brought out a fantastic blues, Rocky blues album called Rich Man, very much in a Joe Bonamassa type feel. Mm. And, uh, we talked about this gentleman earlier on who, um, Zach Wilde, so Zach Wilde obviously goes out as Black Label Society from time to time. Yep. Um, but Zach is known to do a number of sort of solo albums and a bit more acoustic. And he brought out the second Book of Shadows album, which is a fantastic album. If you think Zach Wilde is a long-haired, pinch harmonics, Ozzy Osbourne, Shredmeister, listen to Book of Shadows and Book of Shadows 2 because it's a very, very acoustic. Um, yeah, it's a great, great album. Uh, uh, sort of uh, hints of Leonard Skinner. It's quite acoustic. You'll enjoy that. Um, mm. So th- that's 2016 album wise for me. And the album, I have Bentley House on. Yeah, well, you, do, you, you can hold on to your money, my friend, because I, I was going to lead into that. <laughs> I, know, I know what you're going to say. So, because I've got a little story to go with it, which I may have told before. So, so finally, on albums, and I left this to, to, to the last, of course, Diamond Head 
The aforementioned, I'm not sure we mentioned Diamond Head very much in this podcast, but they brought out their, their self-titled album called Diamond Head back in 2016. And um, the reason I held it back was uh, I went to see Diamond Head. And I've told this story once or twice about when I met Brian Tatler in uh, the London, London Islington um, O2 Academy. Okay. And uh, uh, I went up to him and said, uh, uh, hello, Brian. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't remind him that I met him in 1982 this time. <laughs> he certainly wouldn't have remembered that. <laughs> but I did say, look, I, I, uh, I really like the new album, Brian. He said, oh, thanks very much. What, uh, what's, what's your favourite songs? I thought, oh, no, I didn't know it was going to be an exam, a test. But of course, I, being, being an aficionado, yeah. I said, well, I, I really like uh, All the Reasons You Live and Silence, which is the last track on the album, two killer songs. Uh-huh. Certainly All the Reasons You Live. We'll put the video of that on uh, on uh, the old Facebook page as well. But yeah. so, so luckily I, I got through that. He said, oh, sadly, we're not playing uh, Silence, but we'll play uh, All the Reasons You Live. So, um, yeah, he was very gracious, as always, Mr. Tatler. Um, so, yes, that was certainly my album of the year, um, <laughs> Diamond Head by uh, Diamond Head. So uh, moving on to gigs, I mentioned I saw them. saw quite a few gigs, actually. You and I went to see Dave Gilmore at the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah, I had that on my list. Which was... Fantastic experience. And I uh, did a lot of Pink Floyd stuff, of course. Come for me now, my signature call was quite something. Yeah. Um, Shiny Crazy Diamond, of course. Did oh, just one of the greatest gigs I've ever been to, frankly. As, you, as I said, at the Arbor Hall, um, which I really enjoyed. So a few weeks before, sorry, a few weeks after that, I saw Bad Company, also in London. Probably the only date on their tour. Um, uh, do you remember who was supporting? I do. It was Richie Sambora. <laughs> who was, was pretty good. Well, he did a few solo songs, and I, I'm a big fan of his solo work. Um, I think he did Stranger in This Town, uh, from memory, um, with Orianthi yes. playing guitar with it. Yes. See, the memory's still there, Brian. memory's yeah. still there. Um, so uh, who else do I see? Um, I saw Diamond Head, as I said earlier, of course. Um so yeah, usual array of gigs. Um, we went to uh, Ramblin' Man, as you say, we're in, uh, where uh, White Snake, White Snake headlined. Yeah. Uh, also Europe. So it was. I mean, I, I could rattle on for ages about the, the gigs in that year. You must have been to a few of them as well, Brian. I seem to recall. As I said, we went to one or two together. Um, any did. other standout gigs for you? The the one gig which uh, stands out for me in 2016 was when we all got together and went to the Genting or Genting Arena um, mm. in Birmingham, where we went to see the, at the time, the recently reformed Rainbow with right. Mr. Richie Blackmore and his, and his uh, merry band of men. And that was, oh, that was just an amazing night. Ronnie Romero, who was obviously the lead singer in the band. Uh, you know, it covered it covered all of the eras very well, particularly the Dio stuff. Uh, standout track of the night for me was Stargazer. I was just, I think I was levitating off my seat whenever they did Stargazer. Yeah. Um, but Richie was up to his old tricks, wasn't he? he was, you know, he would he'd play a little snippet of a purple song and then he would go on to something else. So that that was a high. I I I obviously didn't. Uh, uh, Bad Company um, went against the grain and actually played a couple of shows outside of London. So I got to mm-hmm. see I got to see Bad Company and the RSO, the Richie Sambora show. I remember 
<laughs> I remember in Glasgow, his last song, or maybe it was the encore, he did a version of Living on a Prayer. And he brought a really? young fella out to play a bagpipe solo oh in the middle of Living on a Prayer, Matt. And you're kind of going, this isn't going to work. This is just not going to work. And bless him, they brought the band down and this young fella played a bagpipe solo in the middle of Living in a Prayer and it kind of worked. There's video footage on YouTube. Go and watch mm. it. But when you're, in, when you're in the heat of battle and you're expecting Richie to be doing, you know, a solo stuff, as you say, is fantastic. But I'll never, mm. ever forget Living in a Prayer with a bagpipe solo. Again, a great, great year, uh, 2016 for gigs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on a sad note, uh, we lost David Bowie in 2016. We did. Um, which was, uh, it was really the start of that. There were quite a few people that, that uh, passed away in the, in the sort of music uh, world, that passed away in the sort of late 60s, early 70s in that era. And Bowie was one of the first ones died uh, of cancer at 69. Um, and of course, left a you know a fantastic legacy of, of of work over many years. But um, of course, so, sorely missed. Um, and um, who knows what he would have been creating now if he'd have uh, he'd have lived. But um, yeah, yeah, sadly passed away in 2016. He, he did, and and we lost the E and the L of ELP in 2016. Mm, Keith Emerson right. and Greg Leck as well too. Um, yeah. Okay, so that was 2016, and the next time, young Brian, this is how it works, okay. if you remember, I will set you a year, Yep, and uh, you'll uh, take us back down Nostalgia Boulevard, yep. and that, that year, you ready? I am indeed. Do you like this? 1995. Oh, right, brilliant. Hmm. I just yeah, left yeah, university. Yeah. Really? <laughs> We haven't mentioned your 15 years at university recently, have we? Well, we, need to, we need to rehash that one. Exactly. Yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy that. 1995, it was, I think, okay. It's still a world record. I think it is, isn't it? It is indeed. So, Matt. Yes. You are a keen reader. Oh, well, absolutely, yes. As, as I've said before, I, I get through uh, three or four books a year. Uh, so I've got a voracious appetite for books. Excellent. <laughs> clearly, clearly. Um, yes. Thanks for asking. So, one of the things that we 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 wanted to discuss on the show, and we've talked, we've kind of talked about some of our favourite books or books that we've been reading. We decided in, in this episode of the show we would uh, go through some of our favourite uh, biographies and autobiographies of some of our uh, favourite artists and some people who maybe just tell the stories of behind the scenes against uh, against. The, the backdrop of what happens on the road or what happens with their bandmates, etc. So we're going to go through some of our favourite rock biographies, but also, which is going to be even mm. more interesting, is who are the artists that we haven't heard or haven't put pen to paper yet that we're desperately mm. wanting to read those autobiographies? Mm. So what are you going to kick us yes. off with, Matt? Well... Yeah, I mean, I, this the world of rock does seem quite prolific in terms of autobiographies, um, both of the the actual performers and some of their kind of support crew, as it were. Um, one of my favourite autobiographies is by the late great Pete Way. So Pete Way was the um, bass player in UFO, 
fantastic British band. Um, and we talked about once or twice, had their high, pop, high point in probably late, late 70s with Strangers in the Night. Um, but Pete Way, uh, his autobiography was called Fast Ride Out of Here, which is a line from uh, the song Shoot Shoot. And um, yeah, it's a very much a warts and all story. Um, and he, he led a very colourful life. Uh, sadly, a lot of uh, substance abuse, of alcohol abuse, um, but he was very open about it, very candid. Um, and uh, But he spent time, the interesting parts, for example, he was uh, recruited by Sharon Osbourne to be Ozzy Osbourne's kind of uh, minder, as it were, yeah. which was sort of <laughs> a bit like putting Dracula in charge of the blood bank kind of thing. Um, he's also one of the last people to see Bon Scott alive back in 1980. They were out partying, and um, I think the night before Bon died, or the night Bon died, yeah. Um, so yeah, very interesting, colourful autobiography. Um, if you get a chance to uh, have a read of that, um, I think we both liked Dave Grohl's book, didn't we? Storyteller. I think I got it. I bought it. Bought that for Christmas, didn't I, Brian? You did, Seems cool. Yeah, you did. You're still wedding your way through it. I'm halfway through it. I'm not fully. You know you? me. I'm not as uh, I'm prolific. Like, yeah, prolific. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's a good book actually. It's well worth a read as well. Made more poignant by the sad passing of uh, Taylor Hawkins. Uh, there's a passage in that book where he talks about um, him and Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins going on a road trip uh, across the US. Um, I think they go from California to see Dave's mum in who still lives in Virginia. So yeah, very poignant book, but very very well written. Um, I think it was kind of ghost written, as is quite often the case. Um, but yeah, if you, haven't, if you haven't read either of those books, check them out. Um, what about you, Brian? Over to you. Um, I was trying to think about which books I've read, which have left me with a, either a lasting impression of the artist or it's given me a real good insight into what that person was like. And the first one, which I read, I remember reading early in the 90s. So obviously I was at university. Um, mm, of course. The, was David Lee Ross, Crazy from the Heat, <clears throat> and it's as as mad and kooky as David Lee Roth is. It isn't a chronological start from beginning to beginning to end, but it just goes through his experiences in Van Halen. Obviously, at the time, whenever um, whenever he left Van Halen, I think he he was off doing his rock climbing. Um, it's just a very very funny story but it also has David Lee Ross poetry in it as well too and really? I just for for all of the kind of the stories um and it you just I, I walked away from the book going I like David Lee Roth he he is the party guy that you see on the TV and and the showman that he is how the book is written is is fantastic. So crazy from the heat, and, and it's quite a it's quite a it's not a tome of a book. You can read it um, quite quickly. The mm. other one which I'm going to call out, which is more of a biography, uh, Matt, um, and and as everybody knows in the show, I'm a massive Thin Lizzy fan. Uh, there's and there's so many books that have been written about Phil Linnett and Thin Lizzy, but uh, one which I read, um, which was written by I think a Krang, one of the uh, contributors to Kerrang, uh, mm-hmm. which was Mike Putterford, or Mark Putterford, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a book called The Rocker, and it's effectively it's the story of Thin Lizzy and Phil Linnett. It's very very interesting, and it talk it it's a bit like the Pete Pete Way book. It's warts mm. and all, and it's really interesting around the time of um, you know Live Aid, 
um, where, you know, Bob Geldof made sure Phil was not in a great way. And so, you know, as a, as a thin, thin Lizzy fan, um, I enjoyed it. And it and it backed up some of the uh, just the the myths and legends that you hear about Phil in it, but it didn't sugarcoat mm. it. Um, mm. So that was a very well researched book. It wasn't uh, uh, taking lots of sources from Wikipedia and whatever and just putting a book around it. Very good book. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point actually because some some biographies and autobiographies, and of course there there are going to be loads that people are going to think, oh, why don't you mention this? Why don't you mention that? Of course, you got you got your favourites. Please put them on the Facebook page or yeah. Uh, Tweet them at the FTAT pod, of course. Um, also on Instagram now, of course, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, you're right. Sometimes, certainly the biographies, there can be a kind of a, uh, a cut and paste of interviews and articles. And I think I, I, I read Robert Plant's biography, which is very similar. Um, I was really looking forward to it and got through it. And it was very much kind of cobbled together from interviews and articles from Melody Maker and, you know, enemy and so on um but you're right yeah the quality is certainly um and also the theme sometimes you know you you, you, you know what you're in for i remember reading ozzy osbourne's book i am ozzy and and it was i mean yeah warts and all is yeah. one way of putting it uh left you with a very bad taste in your mouth as it were um funny as some of the things are uh, you know, also some of them are quite, you know, unpleasant. Let's say the, some of the antics that he got up to. Um, we, we mentioned Rob Halford's autobiography recently, which I think you read as well, Confession. Loved that. Um, yeah, Loved it was up. good, wasn't it? I yeah. mean, again, I mean, that was very, very much, um, I, I would imagine quite often with writing autobiographies, it's sort of a cathartic experience because with Rob Halford, um, as a, as a gay man, I'm essentially get, gave his story as a, a firstly a gay man in priest who couldn't, uh, for, for various reasons, or didn't feel um, uh, confident enough to to come out, as it were. He came out in the early '90s, um, and uh, but yeah, certainly a, an interesting read. Um, very graphic at times, as you might expect. Um, as you say, um, no 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 punches held, but uh, again, a, a good read, a very good read. Uh, two. The first book I'm going to call out is is it's a book called um, it's called Riding Shotgun, and it's it's 35 years on the road with Rory Gallagher and Nine Below Zero. So Jerry McAvoy was the long time, uh, long serving bass player for Rory Gallagher. He was the only constant member of all of all of Rory's 14 solo albums from 1971 through to 1991. So there's nobody better to give you the story of Rory Gallagher than Jerry McAvoy. Um, and, mm-hmm. and obviously, sadly, um, Rory's no longer with us, but it's a fantastic book where Jerry, you know, Jerry, t- Jerry tells you what life on the road is like and, and working mm. for Rory Gallagher the ups and the downs. Um, so that to me was a, uh, a really interesting read for the Rory Gallagher fan that I was. And, and I think most fans who've read it sort of go, well, it's probably the book out there at the moment that you just want to read um, from Rory. And I suppose it's really down to the only person that could probably better is it Donald 
uh, Gallagher, who's Rory's brother, who was the manager mm-hmm. of Rory. And the, and the final one for me, which was interesting, which was, and I love this book, <clears throat> is it's a book called A Heart Life. And it's the life story of the former Deep Purple and Rainbow Tour manager, Colin Hart. And Colin Hart, you know, was the tour manager. So all of those stories about Richie uh, and and all of the antics that he got to, because he was such a prankster, to hear it from the tour manager. And and I have to say, when you hear the the phrase long-suffering, Colin Mm. Hart was put through the ringer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> by Richie Blackmore and and the Rainbow Guys. But it gave you that little bit of an insight around um, his life on the road as a road manager and trying to corral and herd the cats that were Deep Purple and Rainbow. So there's mm-hmm. a couple of a couple of books which are a little bit, maybe not focusing in on the spotlight of a, a Richie Blackmore or Roy Gallagher, but you hear in the story from Jerry and Colin Hart's perspective. So that was some of the biographies, Norse biographies we've we've read, Brian. But who who would you like to hear from? Who whose autobiography would you like to um, like to read? Having your having your Christmas stocking <laughs> at some point. <laughs> uh, and you can you can just uh, there's a couple that just come straight to mind for me, Matt. Um, Lord David of Coverdale. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'd yeah, David. I'd lovely to hear David's perspective on on Deep Purple, White Snake, mm. working with Jimmy Page. I think that would be a, and he's such a raconteur anyway on stage. So how he'd be able to uh, replicate that in a book? I'd love. Well, he's got to, some time on his hand, hands now, hasn't he? So he, he might be able to uh, put he, that together. You never know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd love to hear from Mutt Langer. Mm. Um. Because we hear all about, all, you know, you think about all of the classic albums we've talked about in the show, Back in Black, Hysteria, Foreigner Four, oh, just so many being, albums. Being, and, mar- being married to Shania Twain. Yeah. Mm. I'd love to hear what it was like from his perspective. Mm. Make yes, it happen, Matthew. <laughs> we could, you never know. You never know. Some, well, I'm sure one or two of those we'll we'll we'll, we'll hear from. Um, you mentioned raconteurs, and we also mentioned uh, also mentioned UFO earlier. Phil Mogg, um, <laughs> the singer of UFO, I think he is very similar in a way to uh, to Pete Way's autobiography. Uh, would be a very colourful read, I think. Um, Robert Plant uh, has never uh, put pen to paper, uh, as it were, yeah. and. Uh, I think his autobiography would be very interesting. Um, although he, when he's when he's questions about questioned about the seventies, he he does pretend he's lost his memory, uh, which is Robert's way of saying I don't want to talk about it, uh, and because uh, a lot went on in that era. Of course, he probably doesn't want to talk about. Um, I think Joe Elliott. You mentioned Matt Langer earlier in the context of Def Leppard, but I think Joe Elliott from Def Leppard would be an interesting read. Again, a very very interesting character, um, a good good kind of storyteller. And I think he he would make a good uh, autobiography. So who knows? We may hear from them. And of course, we'll be very interested to know from our listeners. How many we're up to now? 13, is it? Still 13, 13, Brian? 13. 13, okay. Um, uh, we'll be interested, interested to hear from you, uh, your recommendations, biographies, autobiographies, and also who you would love to hear from. Um, and maybe one day, Brian, as we've said many times, we will write our memoirs, 
Um, maybe we should do it together. Yes. Memoirs of a podcast. That's probably, that should be our, our autobiography, shouldn't it? Memories of a podcast. Wait, but then we're missing out. If we, if we did two, if we mm. did, it's a bit like, it's a bit like, oh, the four, it's a bit like the four Kiss solo albums. Yeah. You, different sides of this, of the story. Yeah. yeah. It's a good, good point, actually. Because there's two sides to every podcast. Yeah. My story could be, you know, if we split up and you get somebody else to replace me, my, mm. my, my, the title of my autobiography might be Dark Side of the Pod. Yes. <laughs> uh, and mine would be, in a similar vein, uh, Wish You Were Here. Yeah. Wait, wish um, You Weren't Here. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we haven't mentioned the sister podcast for a while. Uh, we'll come back to those at some point. Well, uh, for those about line, line dance, of course, and for those about the pop, I'm sure someone out there is thinking, I haven't, I can't find them on Spotify. <laughs> it's a little bit harder. Um, right. So that was uh, that was a quick whistle stop tour through biographies and autobiographies yep. from the rock fraternity. Yep. Um, so we therefore come to the best part of the old podcast by far. Um, in my opinion, and many others, I might add. Um, and that is... Hidden Jim's eyes. Thank you, Lola, as always. Beautiful voice. So what you got for us, Briar? Episode 34? Um, something that you talked about, we talked about at the beginning of the show, um, we were talking about Steve Morse. Mm. And I was just thinking about how Steve just gave a shot in the arm to purple. So the hidden gem I'm going to choose um, is Perpendicular, which is the 15th Ooh. studio album from Deep Purple. So they, um, that's the first album which featured Steve Morse and it is an absolutely fantastic album. First track in the album, Vavoom, Ted the Mechanic, Lo- Loosen the Strings... Uh, the single off that that was released here in the uh, in UK and Europe is sometimes I feel like screaming. It's mm. just such a great, uh, it's such a great body of work. Um, when you consider that the last album that Purple had recorded in 1993, which was the Battle Rages On, which was the last album with with Richie on it and Ian Gillan's processed vocals and all that kind of stuff, when you listen to when when you listen to this album Perpendicular, it's just a return to form, and it's great that you know Steve Morse came in, and I sadly I didn't get a chance to see Purple on that tour, but the 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 Perpendicular tour is cited by many as a a return to form for Purple, and they just were playing fantastic shows. So it's a I think the Steve Morse era of of uh, Deep Purple gets overlooked from a recording perspective. So I'm going to suggest um, Perpendicular, released in 1996. How about you? Very good. Uh, Well, yeah, thank you. Uh, So I've got um, a documentary. Quite often have documentaries, don't I? I do. I do. I must watch a lot of TV. Um, No, it's one of those things, actually. I was flicking around on Netflix and uh, I came across this documentary it's called count me in and um it's it's again it's a very well put together um piece of work revolving around drummers essentially um and their influences um they've got plenty of the obvious influences um 
in terms of Ginger Baker and John Bonham and Stuart Copeland and and Dave Grohl and so on. Um, but it's very well put together um, and it's uh, very interesting. Uh, there's plenty of talking heads, the late Taylor Hawkins, Hobber Hedden's on there, the drummer from The Clash, um, Nico McBrain's on there and uh, Chad Smith, very interesting character talking about the influence of Keith Moon um, and uh, Ben Thatcher's on there from uh, Royal Blood and so on. Uh, really good watch and um, well worth checking out. So uh, yeah, go and have a go and have a, a watch of Count Me In um, on Netflix. You've seen that. You've seen it as well, haven't you, Brian? I think I have indeed. It's a great documentary. Um, it's just it's fantastic when you you get to see like Chad Smith. I I love watching Chad Smith, and I, I think at the at the end of the. Uh, at the end of the documentary, you get a number of the drummers having a drum off mm. And, mm. and you've got the likes of uh, Carlos Santana's wife, who is a That's fantastic right. drummer. And mm. then you've got Chad drumming. Um, and then there's a young, uh, they feature, you know, there's a lot of artists who are, you know, up and coming. And there's a young, mm. uh, uh, young uh, lady drummer who is just, just, just Bowen. She was, uh, it was fantastic because it showed you get her, her putting her kit together for the battle mm. and she shredded the kit. She was fantastic. Mm. So it's, it's great. It's great. The drummers are getting their, uh, I suppose a little bit of spotlight and um, yeah, fantastic. Uh, re- mm. I really, uh, it's a good recommendation of a, of a hidden gem map. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Thank you. So that was it, Brian. Episode 34 in the can. One take. Enjoy that? Yeah. One one take. <laughs> the one take brothers. Mainly I wish. Take. Mainly one take. One day we'll send out the unedited version. <laughs> if we if we, we might have to bleep the odd word out. Exactly. Um yeah. but yeah, thank you for listening, everyone. Um we always appreciate it. And uh please tell your friends and keep spreading the word. Uh come and see us on Facebook. On Twitter, what's that Twitter handle, Brian? Remember that one? Um, at FTAT Pod. Very good. Well done. Also, we're on Instagram. So, um, yeah, we'll see you next time for episode 35. See you, everybody. Take care. Rock on. I'll see you at the weekend, Brian. For those about to pod, we salute you is a Neely Rogers media production.